and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 7th of September, 2020. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by our Senior Property Economist, Calvin Davidson, down in Christchurch. Calvin, happy Father's Day for yesterday, mate. Did you get up to too much? Yeah, thanks for that. Same to you. Uh, not too much. Uh, just, um, you know, we talked about earlier, fathering without the hard bits. So I guess the, the good bits of, of being a father got out and about and, and you know, weather was all right here over the weekend. So yeah, just just did some good things and, and um, you know, I don't tend to go too far down the road of, of going overboard with these sorts of things. So just a good day and um, yeah, looking forward to, a, to another week ahead. How are things with you? Yeah, yeah, no, it was um, pretty cruisy really. You know, the weather wasn't actually that nice here yesterday. So um, we were pretty much just hanging at home and got out for a little bit late in the afternoon, a few shops and things, but no, I took it pretty easy, but I'll take it, you know, sleeping, um, you know, you don't have to do any of the chores, I'd say, but still get to hang out with the kids and do all the fun stuff. So I got a um, chess set bought for me, so um, I'm quite excited about that. And so I had a game with, uh, you know, the five-year-old, so just trying to teach her how to play chess, and she was mostly getting it, um, but then got bored pretty quickly too. So, you know, but that was that was cool, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. Chess was a big game for me when I was growing up, playing with my my Parsi. Um so, yeah, so that's pretty exciting for me. And then got KFC for dinner. So, you know, rounded out the day perfectly for me. So I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, sounds good. And um, But you would have been a bit disappointed about the uh, rugby result on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was interesting, right? Like, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, North-South, I, I sort of tipped a high-scoring game, really, really hoping just be nice some freewheeling, good, good rugby. And um, it turned out that way. Um, I had actually tipped the North, North team to win. Um, so I was kind of hoping that'd hold on there, but yeah, you can't really, you know, fault the quality at the end there to take that try. What was it, four minutes into injury time or, you know, added time at the end there for the South Island team and, um, yeah, entertaining at the very least. And that was, that's all you want from those sort of exhibition games. So, you know, it was, it was good value, even if it didn't quite get the result, but it's not like, you know, I feel too passionate about the North Island having to beat the South Island. It's not, not quite like the old hometown playing against the, the rivals or anything like that. No, no, I agree. And um, I, because of the, the colours of the jerseys, I, I found myself subconsciously supporting the North, even though I live in the South, I was supporting the North because they were in black. It felt like, felt like the All Blacks England. So I just, of course, was subconsciously supporting, you know, the black team. So, um, yeah, that was a bit odd. But yeah, I, unlike you, entertainment was, was the number one thing. And, and you, you can't get too emotionally tied up with with a, a random North versus South game. It's not like you're, you're too invested in either team. So, yeah, and, and great for those those young guys to make the All Blacks here. They're awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was cool. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know there's still some chat about when the All Blacks are actually going to play. Um, <laughs> yeah. but you do wonder about why don't they just do a three-series North v South? That would have been really cool, you know? So, yeah, because I'm not sure when the All Blacks game is spot. I mean, I'm, they're working on it now, Bledisloe Cup, whatever. But, um, yeah, it feels like there's going to be a bit of a gap now. They should have played a couple extra games. Mm, yeah, and I heard sort of, you know, like in rugby league, the, the state of origin concept being talked about and, you know, would have added some real, particularly since we might not get any test matches, who knows, it would have added a bit of spice to that north versus south, but mm. there you go, can't have it always, I guess. No, no, exactly, I, I will say because maybe it is a regular in future years though, seeing as, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with things like Super Rugby, so maybe they can, you know, maybe this is going to be the change that go through a Super Rugby Aotearoa and have the sort of more regular or a version of it anyway. Um, but yeah, look, let's uh, let's move on. Eh? So we chat some property data. 
Yeah, if we if we must. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, look, I wanted to kick us off in terms of talking about the property stuff. Probably got to get straight into a, a little bit of an apology, really. Um, we did discover just very recently there's been a problem with the reporting of our CMA data, so the stuff we've been talking about in the early market indicators report. And last week I did actually mention that volumes had dropped away 62% on just prior to the most recent lockdown at the start of August. But unfortunately, um, you know, that, that drop away in volumes which did happen, it did also coincide with a change in the data and how our data was being recorded. So it wasn't picked up by the people reporting it or by us ourselves because the drop looked pretty real to start off with. And when it kept going, um, we were very surprised by it, of course, but you know there was, there was not enough there to really make us question it too hard. So a bit of a pity there. So ultimately, where did we end up? Look, to volumes um, CMA has generated, turns out that they dropped about 19% to their worst point in the latest lockdown, which is about a week after the lockdown kicked in, that level three lockdown in Auckland. Um, and others since recovered though, to now only be 6% down on prior volumes, on those volumes prior to the, the lockdown in, in Auckland, around about August 11, August 12. So nowhere near what we thought. So a little bit of an issue from that side of things, but I think ultimately, the main outtake is that it still means a lag in listings coming to market. And that's really what we were, you know, that was the big commentary piece, I suppose, is that we've seen a massive drop away in CMAs. And so we're expecting that to flow through to less listings coming to market. That's still the case, but certainly not as bad as we'd previously thought. So bit of a bit of a problem there. You know, the, the key thing is going to be how we pair this with valuations data, what's happening from the demand side of things. But um, obviously not ideal, and so not great that we obviously didn't pick that pick up on that earlier. But it has been fixed now, so um, we'll make sure that we go through the correct corrections, I suppose, to make sure that you know all our commentary is is back aligned with those new figures. So yeah, not ideal, but um, yeah, we'll resurrect that now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a shame as always, but as you say, um, what's the ultimate message? And, and I guess that the fact that we've been talking about this tight supply of listings in the market. That, like you say, that hasn't changed, and that's really the way that it plays out. That's the real, the real factor that we need to be watching, and, and that's still tight. So um, yeah, it has all those obvious implications for for prices. Um, so so yeah, bit of a shame, but I guess uh, move on. Yeah, exactly. And so when we look at that demand side from the valuations being ordered, I think it's worth noting there has been a little minor tail away in the last few days on that but really not much to write home about um, to the point now where volumes are still 9% above that pre-August lockdown level of volumes. And the trough that we did see it drop down to about a week into lockdown, similar to the drop in um, CMAs, was about 8% down. So demand dropped by about 8% in lockdown, whereas the supply side or the pre-supply pre side dropped by, what did I say, 19%. So about half or under half the drop in valuations and demand, as we saw from the supply side through the CMAs. So then there's one side to really take note that it's definitely worsened on the supply side than the demand. And so that messaging is still consistent, you know, likely that weaker supply compared to demand at a time where we know supply is already constrained, as you just said. So we'll continue to see that support for prices. Not necessarily it's going to take off, but may not drop away as much as otherwise would have been the case. So that's the other thing from the the valuation volumes data there, just noting that demand has held up better. Um, and even though supply wasn't quite as bad as we thought, it's still worse from that side of things than, than demand. Yeah, cool. Nice one. Don't have, uh, don't have much to add on that one. Uh, yeah, 
top summary. Yeah, cool. Um, the other major thing I think, you know, speaking of lockdown and how that's worked, really to note the extension of the current settings as well. So, of course, you know, last week we did hear from Prime Minister to say that, yep, the current settings will be extended um, to be reviewed on the 14th of September, but essentially will be at the current level of restrictions until around about the 16th of September at the very least. And interestingly, that's, of course, about the same time the wage subsidy ends. So that'll certainly be a pretty key date to look out for now, just over a week away. What the plan will be with the settings, I think, reviewed next Monday. But um, even if they do come out of it, if we do come out of it, they'll be in place for a couple more days to give people time to adjust to it. So that was one thing to note as well. So obviously we are continuing with the previous restrictions that we were having. But looking at those early market indicators, they have both started to lift anyway. So certainly people are, you know, adjusted again to the new level of restrictions and back out there doing, you know, appraisals, valuation volumes are still still holding up. And um, so, yeah, that's that's the overall picture, I suppose, and the next day to look out for as well. Yeah, I, I think in terms of sort of implications for the market, I was thinking that through, and it probably doesn't have much at all beyond what we already know. Things are ticking over, and, and I don't think too much changes as a result of this. You know, everyone's kind of adjusted, as you say, and you know, CMAs are, are back on a sort of gentle upward trend and valuation volumes are still there, people are, are going about things just the same way. So I don't think any implications from the, the latest announcement are really that big. Um, things will just carry on. We've talked about the still tight supply side in terms of listings, um, decent decent volumes coming forward in terms of those valuations and people wanting mortgages. So, yeah, it's still just just trucking along that no no real change i think as you say that that date of of sort of mid next week when the wage subsidy ends that's kind of that milestone we've been watching out for in terms of that that test for demand and what might happen to unemployment and and people looking to buy houses but um yeah for now let's say for the next week or so things might tick over and then just got to look out for, for what happens after the end of that wage subsidy but whatever happens we'll still be in this market characterized by a low supply of listings and not much choice for, for any buyers that are out there. So, um, yeah, it's more of the same, really. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's been, the other thing to note, maybe, is there's been a bit more commentary in the articles and things about, you know, the fact that, you know, there was a recognition that the Reserve Bank is saying, yep, we realise that all this lowering of interest rates and, and pumping money into the environment is actually going to inflate asset prices. Um, so quite interesting to see that, that commentary from them as well, recognising it's happening, they're sort of saying that, um, you know, that's, that's the plan. That's, they know that that's sort of a side effect of what they're trying to do, but they know that cash and confidence is key right now. And so there's a few downsides, which might be asset inflation, but, you know, there's, that's, that's, that's not as bad as what the other option could be, which would be if there was a major, major downturn and the impact that could have on our broader economy. And that's obviously what they're tasked with looking at. So then they sort of push it back to the government to say, well, up to them to, to look at any other downsides from asset inflation like that. Um, especially if there's an impact to the to the social side of things, where those that people that don't own houses or own other assets don't get to reap the benefits of this cheap money and all this money being pumped into the environment too. So that's um that's been an interesting probably other broader conversation or broader commentary piece that's happening overall. Um, but does again paint the picture of you know this market's likely to hold up for the foreseeable future due to all the support that's being being provided by the government and the Reserve Bank. Yeah, for sure. The, the Reserve Bank, in, in sort of wider monetary policy discussions, they've talked about the path of least regret. And I think that's probably what they're doing here. Is it okay? They acknowledge that 
you know, house prices might be higher than otherwise because of this policy. But what are you going to regret least? And from their point of view, what they'd regret least is, is doing that instead of having sort of a higher unemployment rate than is necessary and, and all those associated problems that come with that. So keeping people in work seems to be the, the priority at this time. And so, you know, any unintended consequences of that are just, just have to be lived with, I guess. So, yeah, sounds about right to me. Yeah. No, yeah, good good take out on that one, actually. Good point. The What did you call it? The... the Path of least regret. Path of least regret. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, okay. And, and, and in, in the sort of interest rate context, they've, you know, when they've made some of these sort of shock decisions lately to, I think the latest change was 75 basis points off interest rates, wasn't it? They, they're sort of, it's the go hard, go early thing almost. You know, what are you going to regret least? And, and from they've viewed that as just throwing everything at it straight away rather than waiting and sort of seeing what might happen as, as get in there early and, and, and beat it. So that seems to be, um, yeah, what they're, what they're doing. That, certainly that was the case with interest rates previously and seems to be again now. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. Uh, very good. All right, mate. Well, um, other releases last week, I know that we had the um, business confidence for August data from ANZ, I think. How did that, how did that come out in the end? Uh, it was actually quite... Surprisingly solid, and the, the the commentary from ANZ was very much along those lines. That given we went back into alert levels in, in the middle of August, to have actually had a, a result for the whole month that was was actually still pretty resilient it was quite a good result. You know, a whole half that month was was in heightened alert levels, and and business confidence actually came out better than what they might have been expecting. So so that's good. On the other hand, it's still pretty low. <laughs> so um, you know, while it was perhaps better than what you might have thought. Uh, it still was pretty low in absolute terms. So I think it just goes to show uh, sort of maybe people have adjusted and, and the sort of marginal impact of these things isn't as great as it was three or four months ago. But at the same time, we're not out of the woods by any means. And, you know, businesses are still, have still got problems, still looking at, you know, their finances and at their head counts and, and still worried about what future trading might be like. So yeah, there's always two sides to it. And and so while the latest result was good, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves and, and there's still, you know, we're still facing some issues. That's um that's the key message. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a preliminary release for September, uh, in a couple of days' time, middle of this week on Wednesday. So be interesting to see what's happened there. You know, maybe a, a, a bit more into the the new alert level as we've moved back down. So that'll give us a bit of a steer on our businesses are feeling now with a bit more freedom. So, yeah, that's the next one to look ahead to. Yeah, I think um, I think it was Dominic Stevens at Westpac, the chief economist there, who said something like, "You can't you can't lose your international tourism twice." So, you know, given that was the biggest impact essentially from the first round, this time around we already lost all that, so it wasn't going to impact us again. Yes, of course, businesses are going to suffer because of social distancing and all those things that came with it, especially Auckland and the stricter lockdown. But certainly the impact was never going to be as great the second time around because of that. But the greatest shock was always going to be those borders being shut, no international tourists, um, and obviously the reduction in overall migration as well. But you can't lose it twice. And so the, the impact to GDP and to businesses was never going to be as great this time around. And I think your other point there around, you know, everyone's adjusted. Everyone was kind of ready to go back to level two, three, whatever it was, because we'd, we'd, we'd known there was always a chance for that to happen. And we kind of had the processes and plans in place to be able to switch to that relatively easily. But of course, it's going to affect revenue. It's going to affect, you know, the future 
um, investment in their own businesses. So it's going to weigh on people, just not as heavily as we'd seen previously. So I think that's 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 the key point there. Um, moving on then, July building consent data. What was out last week for that? Yeah, the, so the number again, pretty decent set of numbers, uh, just just nice and solid from building consents, driven again by those smaller dwellings, as we've we've talked about multiple times for probably the last ever since we started the podcast. Really, it's it's all about those apartments and townhouses and flats that's that's driving the upwards trend. Um, I, I think there's probably still a degree of of, of catch up. You know, that we lost some consents were delayed during lockdown and so there's, there, there could be an element of that still that, that's kind of flattering the numbers a little bit but but generally still you know a nice strong set of numbers acknowledging those longer term risks as we as we move forward from here around obviously the consumer confidence being a bit more subdued um, banks being a little bit more cautious about development finance now those are issues that that you would think would kind of restrain dwelling consents from here on but yeah for now still still looking pretty good and we've had a little bit of a snoop around and and sort of government policies around construction and it seems from both sides of the of the house or of both colors uh, that, that there's going to be a continued emphasis on on social housing um and probably rightly so and you know that that will mean sort of construction you know you've got, you got to build these things so there's support there for the construction industry so you know it, it needn't be perhaps as as bad as it might have been in previous boom bust cycles, but um, you know, acknowledging that there's still there's still definitely risks out there. Yeah, and it's obviously consents. You know, so it's people's intention to build. There still could be some pain down the road if they can't follow through with those because the industry's suffering or whatever happens. And I think that there was one of the um, news sites last week was talking about, and one of the TV news was saying that I'm not even in the article that you were even on talking about the construction side of things that the construction um, industry was supported most heavily by the wage subsidy. So I think that, you know, that's, that's a key point to look in the future as well. Once that wage subsidy ends, like you say, next week, for some of those people in the construction industry, they may be in a bit more trouble. So we do want to just, just point towards some of those downside risks in the future as well. And, and I think that there tends to be a bit of a lag in the construction industry when there is a downturn or um, when we do go into recession as well, that you don't see it immediately, especially through consent data. People still want to build. Do they end up going through to that either because they can continue to afford or the industry's supportive enough? So we'll always keep an eye out for that one. Um, maybe inflated a little bit in the moment, but start to decrease into next year as well. But I think as we've spoken about previously as well, it would have been a while ago now, we certainly from our <clears throat> um, discussions with the government and, and people that work in the different ministries, the government's certainly very aware of this and don't want to see a massive downturn like we saw in the GFC. So they're looking at all early indicators they can to provide that support. And I think that's through, you know, through whether it is subsidies or, you know, the availability of lending and all those sorts of things to make sure that the industry doesn't suffer um, too much in the short term because that has such a long-term impact and they don't want to see that happen. So big focus for the government. Um, yep, there's some definite downside risks but they'll be watching all those very closely, even more so than probably we are. Um, so continue to look out for that one. Yeah, it's also a, a great industry to support for a number of reasons. You know, if, if the government's thinking about spending money, well, it's, it's a good area to target because, you know, you're investing in physical assets for a start. It's, you know, a good thing, housing, and you know, it could be infrastructure or whatever, but also it's quite labour-intensive. So, you know, if you're spending money there, you're supporting, you know, proportionately more jobs than than some other sectors so um yeah there's lots of there's lots of plus points there as well as it does tend to just go through those huge booms and busts and that's and not good for anybody um so 
yeah, uh, as I say, the, the stats are holding up for now, but yeah, heaps of risks to watch out for. Yeah, cool. Hey, mate, well, we can move on then. And I think, um, you know, there are obviously a couple of big releases out last week where I would call our ones. Um, so big that we did uh, doing obviously that extra little bonus podcast late on Thursday to talk about them in more detail. And of course, I'm talking about the CoreLogic House Price Index and the CoreLogic Housing Affordability Report. So we did do that special podcast last uh, Thursday, released Thursday night or early Friday morning. So if you haven't already, go and check that one out because we don't have the time to go into too much detail about that one today. But obviously, that was a pretty exciting week for us. And as I mentioned, you know, you're on um, TVNZ News um, at least once and on the Breakfast TV. So good coverage there as well, um, but worthwhile getting, getting your head around those ones and having a listen to, to that podcast last week as well. Yeah, get amongst it. They're, 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 um, hopefully, you know, people can actually use the reports as well. That's, you know, in the end, that's what it's all about, and especially that housing affordability run one, I guess, you know, say, for example, people coming back to the country, you know, where, where might uh, it make sense for us to try and locate on the basis of, of housing affordability? You know, that's one potential use case. Um, but heaps of data, heaps of information, and, and hopefully some good commentary. So, yeah, go check it out. Yeah, great, cool. Awesome, mate. Well, what's coming up this week? Then I know that we'll be obviously be updating our bioclassification data for August, so seeing who was active throughout that August month, which is always of interest, and it'll give us sort of that second second month to the uh, third quarter data as well. So we'll be tracking that one later in the week. Um, mapping the market as well, which is our median value of all properties in each suburb and change over time. So I think that'll be another good one, good interactive tool that's available on our website, nice and easy to go check out that one. So those are probably the two core logic ones. And then you'll probably be writing a, a Market Pulse article as well. What are you looking to, to write that about this week? Yeah, I think um, we've touched on it throughout really, and probably thinking about listings really, and especially those those early market indicators, you know, what is actually going on with with the CMAs and with the valuations and how that's flowing through to that listing side of thing, which we've probably already pretty much written it by our, dis- our discussion here. I think a couple of things around bioclassification, for example, one element we've seen lately is, is the relative lack of movers. So people who are existing owner occupiers who would ordinarily be moving around and freeing up their own properties, listing those, um, they're not. And so it's creating this vicious circle of, of tight listings, which we've talked about. So interesting facet of, of bioclassification and it feeds into that wider discussion around listings. So, yeah, I think that's probably uh, probably going to be the, the emphasis this week. Yeah, cool. That sounds good. And, of course, you can break it down. We've got that listings data right down to TA as well, down the Territorial Authority Council area. So you can really start to understand a bit more granular what's happening around the country, certainly places like Queenstown, obviously, of real interest. And anywhere else we might start to see a bit of a downturn or you know, maybe we are seeing some strong growth, it's going to be because those listings just aren't coming to market. So, uh, cool, that sounds that sounds bloody interesting, mate. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. As I say, we've probably almost written it just, just by chatting. I'll go back and listen to this and there's my note. Too easy, too easy. All right, well, anything else coming up, mate, or else we can wrap it up? Might be might actually be a shorter podcast this week. Yeah, not really. There's 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 not much on the economic front this week. Looking ahead to next week, it's uh, the big Q, uh, Q2 GDP release. Um, so that'll be the one to watch out for next week. Uh, but but this week, no, pretty quiet. We can do some do some development stuff, maybe. Who knows? Strategic stuff. Yeah, nice, nice. That sounds good. All right, well, I'll wrap us up then, mate. And um, yeah, we can get to work. We obviously had a bit of uh, stuff around this morning. 
we've moved into a new office here in Wellington and uh, the room I tried to record in was very echoey. So I had to bail on the office this morning and come back home to record. So we finally finally got there in the end though. But um, so thanks for thanks for persevering with me, Calvin, and um, and for your thoughts again today. We'll leave it there and just say thanks for listening. Please do subscribe, rate and review us and do get in touch as well. Available on Twitter, LinkedIn and email, all those details available in the show notes there. Otherwise, I'll leave it there and say thank you. We will speak to you next week. Bye.